We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay, and I am here today with one of our friends, mine and Jesse's friends, Jared Humphreys. Jared actually encouraged us um, to move to Franklin. He was one of the people who kind of sat down with us and encouraged the move because he saw what it would do for our family. And I believe that you heard from God and heard what he said and came and sat on our couch and encouraged. So can you share a little bit about that just to give some insight into our relationship? Oh, of course. Yeah. Happy to. Uh, yeah. During that time, I just remember both you and Jesse being, I would say, so busy with life. You know, Jesse was, you know, doing full-time, more than full-time real estate in Albuquerque. And, um, and I just saw this aspect of him really needing to maybe pivot and um, be able to get some more work life balance. So I, you know, in just a normal process of praying for you guys, I was just like, Oh, this is interesting. This keeps coming to mind that uh, it may be really good for you to, to get out of your element, you know, to go uh, try something new, to go uh, experience something new, to, to really experience something as a family. And, to be able to grow in that way. And so I, I, I know that for many months and probably years after that, Jesse is <laughs> probably not my biggest fan. Uh, you yeah, know, right. From, no, <laughs> he is. He's yeah. so happy we that you did. I mean, that's really what propelled us forward. Like we had been talking about it, but the fact that I had mentioned Franklin to him and then you specifically came and said, you guys should move to Franklin. Like, I feel like God is telling yeah. me you should move to Franklin. And the fact that we're here and he's so happy, he's definitely, he loves you. <laughs> okay, we're well, good. Well, yeah. it's a uh, hindsight kind of a thing. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> no, it's been so good. Well, and I, we just, I mean, thank you for that because I don't know that I've even actually sat down and said thank you because it really, we were talking a little before the podcast, everyone, but just it's been a massive blessing for the sake of our family. I think that it has brought us so much closer together. It has challenged us really, even walking through the, struggle with the boys and dealing with, you know, leaving family. And, but we've been those people to them to walk them through it. And they've met so many people. And so it really just has been cool, but Jared also is not only insightful and encourages us in our marriages and just in our lives as all of his friends, he just is 
an encouraging human being, but he's also extremely financially savvy. He is a financial coach. He has a lot of experience in stewarding money wisely. So I would love for you to briefly tell the audience a little bit about what you do and how God led you to becoming a financial coach. And then we'll get into talking all about budgeting. Cool. Sounds good. Well, thanks for that intro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So a little bit about me. Uh, I'm in corporate finance. So that's like my vocation per se. Um, so I'm a VP of finance. So I oversee finance administration, you know, all things kind of on the operations aspect uh, for an organization. And I've done that for a long time now. So it's been, you know, something like 13 years in corporate finance now. Um, but really my passion point really comes down to really helping people and helping people build margin into their finances. Um, and so I've just seen so many people uh, just, just going through the motions uh, and maxing themselves out financially to where uh, they don't have any margin. They don't have the ability of slowing down. They don't have the ability of making a big change in life uh, like you and Jesse have, you know, and, uh, and they don't have that luxury. And so for, for me, that's just been a passion point of just really helping people uh, figure out what really drives them, what really makes them uh, just excited for life and how to really remove the things that, um, that are getting in the way just because they're oughts and shoulds, just because they're aspects where they feel pressure by other people to keep up or to, uh, you know, continuously compare themselves. So they get trapped down by, you know, uh, the stuff that they buy or, or the things that they feel like they have to be a part of, uh, when, they really need to just focus in on what they themselves or they and their spouse or they and their family unit really need what's best for them. And so that's what I do as a financial coach is I, I sit down with people and really help them hone in like what it is that they really uh, want to do with their lives and, and how, you know, they can be doing those things that really make them come alive and, and putting aside those things that really are just distractions, you know, just, are, are look good on paper, or look good on, you know, social media or something like that, um, but aren't really, you know, driving them, you know, so That's good. Would you elaborate a little bit on when you say the oughts and the shoulds and the pressure, how would you describe that? And what are those things that maybe you've seen in people's lives that tend to be the things that drag them the opposite way of financial success and financial wisdom? What are those things that pull them away from that the most? Yeah, that's a great question because I think for different people, it's different challenges mm -hmm. around their finances. So uh, for some people, they really want to have that big lavish home or uh, they want to be traveling all the time. And I love traveling. Um, yes, you but, do. But I, I do. I love traveling. Uh, that's that's a budget line item for me. But uh, but there but I think there's a time and place for right. for those things. And I think that people feel like they have the pressure of doing everything at once. Mm -hmm. So they've got to drive the nicest car. They have to have the biggest home. They have to, you know, have their kids in the best schools or, uh, or, you know, a myriad of other things. And so I think the oughts and shoulds really come down to that, where they kind of feel that pressure, whether someone's actually giving them that pressure or not, they're feeling it. And, um, and I'm sure through, you know, through social media, that's not helped, you know, anyone, right any mm -hmm. of us, you know, mm -hmm. we're all in that same boat of just like, 
you know, you're, there's always someone doing better than us. There's always someone to compare ourselves with. So it ends or up being appearing, really unhealthy. Appearing, appearing to do better yeah. than us. Yes. Yeah, yes. Which absolutely. is a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's really good because we, Jesse and I talked about this on one of the, actually the last episode of kind of what we've learned from Catherine and David, um, who are also on the podcast and just living small. And I wouldn't say by any means we've lived fully small, but I would say that we have fought a lot of temptation to buy a lot of things that we really wanted. Um, and with that though, there have been very impulsive moments in which we purchase ridiculous cars. I mean, they weren't like expensive cars, but we bought them. I guess we just bought cars that we didn't need really. That's what it was, but we learned from that. And I think that's a big part of it is like you learn as you go, but what an amazing opportunity we have with the resources we have, like financial coaches and podcasts and opportunities to speak with people or, and hear from people who have made those mistakes before us, or who have just been able to learn before they made those mistakes. So I guess I would ask, maybe, can you share a few things that you would encourage people who are living paycheck to paycheck or Mm -hmm. who just feel constantly strapped by their finances, their marriages are stressed, their family relationships with their children are stressed because they just can't seem to keep up. What would be some of your go-to practical tips for people who are really struggling to prepare a budget and why is a budget necessary? Of course. So what I what I typically recommend to people is that um, whether we like it or not, we need to have boundaries. Boundaries are really important in life, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in your finances or whether, um, you know, you can apply to so many different areas. And I would just say that uh, money is just one of those areas that uh, if you don't tell your money where to go, you're going to not only want wonder where it went, but also it becomes, uh, you know, you become the slave of your money then uh, versus being, you know, having those healthy boundaries where you're basically just telling your money, you know, uh, where it needs to be applied to. And so um, obviously I'm a huge proponent of a, what I call a plan to spend, which is, which is a budget, but oftentimes I get a visceral reaction uh, whenever I bring up budget, because people are just like, oh, I've tried that. I've been there. I've heard about that. Or I remember my parents growing up saying it's not in the budget, you know, yeah. and uh, and everyone's just like, oh, I do not want to live with a budget. Um, but I would just encourage people that, you know, especially in marriage, I mean, that's like, uh, you know, uh, the 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 number one, maybe number two reason for divorce and for turmoil in marriages. And I just, uh, I just really encourage those people I meet with that, uh, this can be one of those areas where you put proper boundaries and it ends up influencing so many other areas. And so, uh, so typically what I encourage people to do in order to have quick wins, um, is to really look at everything that they are spending money on and not to get overwhelmed by it, but really to sit down and, uh, and figure out first and foremost, what drives them? What's, you know, what's, what do they want in their life? So for, for me, for example, I went through this process myself and for me, it's like, I, I, I'm kind of a foodie. I like love eating out and trying new places and stuff. And so all like, that's a budget line item for me. I love to be able to travel, go see family, go see friends. 
Um, I actually haven't come out there to see you guys. I'm sorry yeah, about that. That's okay. We love you anyway. It's <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, but those types of things. And for, you know, for what I typically recommend is people write down, okay, what is the most important thing? Is it really to have that nicest, you know, is it to have the nicest house in the neighborhood or in on the block or amongst your friends or family? Uh, or is it a, you know, is it vacationing or what is it? Uh, and and it should be something where your budget is set up to align with your lifestyle. And it should be something where you're sitting down and you're setting out, uh, you know, where you want that budget to be applied to. Now, now with that, there's multiple different approaches you can take. Um, you know, I, t- I typically talk about this a lot because a lot of people say, well, if I have to go through and I have, I have to give every dollar a name or something like that, you'll hear people say certain terminology because of certain personalities that they listen to. And there's not, it's not, it's neither here nor there. It's just right. a matter of uh, figuring out what works best, you know, for you. And so if you, if it just completely scares you to, to have to go through the process of, of breaking down every single line item, start with something like an 80, 20, uh, rule where you're basically taking 20%. You're making sure to pay yourself first. You're making sure to, um, to save, you know, put that into savings, you know, initially maxing out a, uh, emergency fund, which, um, you know, many people don't have. Uh, so starting out with that and then spending 80% on your lifestyle, maybe start there because that's an easy way to be like, okay, well, at least I'm saving and I'm investing at some point once my emergency funds built up and so on and so forth. Um, but I typically encourage people to start somewhere, start with something simple where it's like, okay, let's just start with taking the 80, 20 rule where you're basically taking a certain amount and putting it aside to pay yourself first, uh, then building it out beyond that. And you could do a 50, 30, 20 rule where you're basically taking a certain amount and you're putting it towards your, your needs and your wants and saving accordingly. Or you can extrapolate that out if you're very detail oriented and you want to know where everything's going and you can go the every dollar approach where you assign every dollar a name. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think a starting point is really important. Yeah, no. And I love that you said that people have this visceral reaction when you bring up a budget, because I feel like that was initially my first response. And then as I started implementing it, Jesse felt the same way because I was doing every dollar needs a name. And I found slowly, like, cause he would go buy Starbucks. I'm like, that wasn't in the budget. Oh my gosh. You're I remember $6. Those <laughs> you're, you're $6 <laughs> over Jesse. You've got to tone it down. And he felt like, wait, I'm working so hard and I can't go and just like buy myself a cup of coffee without having that cash. Or so we had to do a lot of comp figure out a lot of compromise, I guess. And it was so beneficial as we did. And I realized, I think it was very similar kind of to what you're saying, but we finally found a place where there was freedoms. We set up some systems, like one thing that we did, which I don't know if this is recommended, but we each got like cash app cards and each month we would put in a certain amount. And that was like just our spending money for fun. Nobody had eyes on it. It was just whatever the heck we wanted to spend on. Usually mine was coffee. His was usually coffee as well, but that was our thing. And it was just freeing. But as I finally really pinned down my budget and I started seeing, okay, every single dollar 
what what's going out ultimately each month. Not that I have a place for it that I'm putting where I'm like, this goes specifically to coffee, but Hey, you have this much, this is how much comes in. This is how much goes out with bills. It was actually very freeing to me to not feel like I was constantly wondering where my money was going because there was a point in our marriage, I think in our second house, when we looked at our bank account and I, we had spent like $1,200 on food that month. And that was so excessive for us because we had also, that was not counting groceries. That was just eating out. And we had a moment of like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? And kind of like you're saying, you don't have a plan and it's just going like it goes and you don't even realize it. And especially with cards now, I think it's just so much easier. So just to encourage those who may feel how Jesse and I felt for a while with feeling like, oh, it's constraining me and it's restricting me and it's causing me to like not enjoy life more so than ever with a plan and with a budget. I think we truly do enjoy it because we have the ability to say, okay, we have this coming in, but we also are going to be wise and like tithe off the top. And, and we're going to put the money that needs to be in our savings and our IRA and our stocks. Like that's all going first before we enjoy it. But you know, then like, okay, I have more freedom actually to do with the money that I have because I've been wise from the get-go. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really good because I, yeah, I, I immediately think about the aspect of, um, you know, I, I think for the vast majority of people, they want to be good with their money. You know, they want to have good rhythms put into place. They want to be able to maybe, uh, you know, set up rhythms where you, like you and Jesse did, where you had a cash app, you know, or mm -hmm. something like that, where you had a, a slush fund or something like that. You want to have like rhythms that work for you. And, you know, I think it's um, Eleanor Roosevelt who who said it takes more uh, it takes as much energy to wish as it does to plan. And I think Good. for uh, for many people, it's just kind of like, oh, you just kind of wish you were better with money or you wish you had, um, you know, things figured out, but uh, seize the day, carpe diem. You know, it's it's the perfect opportunity to to stop wishing you had that and actually just put that energy towards building a plan. And it just kind of starts with that, like you and Jesse did. Yeah. So do you recommend, like if I were just to say, okay, there are these people I have in my mind who really struggle financially and they've always kind of battled because they didn't learn. And I think that's a big thing is grace upon grace. Like if you were never a part of a family that had any financial strategy or wisdom, like have grace on yourself and, or if your spouse is struggling with that and they never experienced it, but you did, you have to take into account what they learned and saw as they grew up. Um, but for somebody who is in that position and as they're kind of walking through life and wanting to start fresh, as you're saying, where are maybe some of the major cuts that people don't realize that they can make that maybe you see mm -hmm. regularly that they're spending on food, probably being one of them, but anything mm -hmm. else that you see that they're spending excessively on without even realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, food's an easy one, yeah. um, typically for people, because, uh, you know, I, I would say that with the uh, availability of all kinds of different cuisine all over the place, I mean, it's so much easier to have that convenience factor, you know, whether it is getting your $6 latte or whatever, Jesse was, he was probably not getting a latte. He's no. probably getting some bougie drink of some no, kind. It's a drink like that fancy with his drinks. <laughs> everyone is embarrassed to order for us. Like nobody asks us anymore. What do you want? <laughs> They're like, Lindsay, I'm not saying that. Yeah, no, it was pretty excessive. 
but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But I would say outside of just the, um, you know, the coffee side of things, I think uh, the aspect that I've seen a lot lately has been subscriptions. Like, um, yes. and I know that that's been a thing for a while. So it's not like it's like brand new, but this in particular, people are uh, funny enough. I mean, people are uh, using so many different subscriptions to get the latest clothes that they can return online, whether it's um, getting a subscription to uh, the use of a vehicle uh, that maybe they can't afford yet. Uh, or it's even like just their technology. They're, you know, having a, uh, a subscription for their iPhone. I mean, Apple just came out, I think the other day and was talking about basically a subscription program where, you know, you never pay off your phone. You just continuously basically, um, you know, rent it you, out. You pay, yeah, you basically rent it out. You have a subscription plan on your phone. And um, and that's nothing new, but I just find that when people go through their subscriptions, there's a lot of subscriptions that maybe they started out thinking it was going to be something great that they were going to use a lot. Uh, and it was a Peloton subscription or something like that, where it's like, oh, I'm going to use this every day, yeah. you know, uh, but oftentimes people sign up for it and set it and forget it. And so I would just say that, you know, subscriptions is a big one because typically if you have a nice car in the driveway and you have a big payment on it or something like that, it's something you see every day. It's something you experience every day uh, or the house you live in or the school that your kids go to or something like that. You have these different expenses uh, that are kind of in your face, like you're well aware of them, whereas subscriptions can be something that flies under the radar. Um, so I would say something like that, maybe something like food or convenience based, uh, like buying your coffee out. Uh, and those are sometimes very small items, but they can add up very oh, quickly. quickly. Yeah, no, I yeah. fully agree. And there is a little area on your settings on your iPhone where you can find the subscriptions. And I check that every month because sometimes I'll sign up for something thinking, oh, I just need it this one time. And then I'm going to go and cancel. And I always forget. So I check it at the end of every month just to be sure. And usually there's one or two mm -hmm. things that I signed up for. And like you said, some of them end up being $12 a month without even realizing what they are. But I think that's so big. I fully agree. And I think one thing that maybe a mindset I really needed to get past and would encourage others in is if you feel like kind of don't ask, don't tell, or what I don't know won't hurt me, it always catches up. Like those things, if you think that not looking at your in uh, your expenditures, not looking at the money that's going out is eventually just going to go away, like that's, it doesn't happen that way. And I think I believed mm -hmm. that lie for a long time where I just wouldn't look at the bank account. I'm like, no, it's yeah. going to be, I mean, we make enough and whatever's going out, but then you start to see, holy cow, what I could, I think that was the biggest realization for me, Jared was like, what I could be actually doing with that money, the good I could be doing yeah. with that money that I am wastefully throwing away. Yeah. And so I want to ask, kind of shift gears a little bit. So with the current state of our world and economic climate, mm -hmm. how do you feel that financial wisdom can benefit us for mm -hmm. maybe what's to come? And what do you see yeah. in the future as a financial coach? That's a great question. It really is because I think a lot of people are, feeling that they feel like something is coming. They feel like, you know, it, it can't continue the way it's been uh, for the last, I would even just say since 2020, let's just use vague terms. But mm -hmm. since 2020, I mean, you can see um, a, a huge change in the way that people are buying 
uh, and where they're spending their money. I mean, it, it, it was really interesting. We had basically this experience during 2020 where savings rates just surged and people were, you know, the stay at home orders and, um, and, you know, the stay in place and all the other aspects that, that kind of restricted people's spending. It's almost like they got cooped up, which is accurate, I think for all of us. Yeah. Um, but then coming out the other side of that, it was like, I mean, it's basically become an everything bubble. And you've probably heard of that, that phrase, but literally everywhere I look, it's like, okay, well, housing is up double digits year over year. And, you know, um, no matter where you're at in the country, it's like, even in places that you're like, this area has never experienced this kind of growth. And you're kind of wondering why, <laughs> you know, there's aspects like that with, with housing or vehicles. I mean, you know, it's just a crazy thought to have your vehicle. You can drive it brand new off the lot and make money on it. I mean, there's just so many examples of this where everything is in bubble territory. And, uh, and so I try to be very balanced from this approach because, you know, the funny thing is, um, is, you know, Jesse's probably heard my rants for many years, but, um, but every year you hear about like, oh, we're going to go into a recession. Like every single year you have someone, you know, uh, preaching it from the mountaintop about the next recession. And so what I find in that though, is, is especially for this audience, it's so important to not live in fear, to not just be going day to day in, and, and just being so afraid of your own shadow and so afraid of what could happen. Um, but in the midst of that, use it as an opportunity to propel you forward to plan, you know? And so I, I find it interesting because, um, right now what we're facing is basically we have, we have this like perfect storm coming up and that doesn't mean that we will necessarily go into a, a recession, but everything's pointing in that direction, whether it's the inverse yield curve, which is a, you've, you may have heard 10 and two is what they refer to. And it's basically how, um, how the outlook looks in regards to where the economy is headed. And, and those have, you know, that in particular, the inverted yield curve has pointed to the last, you know, handful of recessions. And we just had it actually, as of this recording, um, we had the inverse occur about a week ago um, in that specific area. But then we have like consumer confidence. We've got uh, sudden market uh, changes in regards to the stock market. And we've all experienced it. I don't know, you know, about the audiences, like, you know, portfolios and whatnot, but we've all experienced that in the last, I would say two and a half months where things have just been really volatile. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of different indicators you can look at, but I would just say the most important thing is, is yes, be aware of the indicators. Yes. Be cautious, be prudent, be intentional, um, but also be mindful of your own place. Where are you at? Because you can't control whether or not we go into a recession. You can't control um, what the Fed is doing, how much money is being printed, you know, who's paying what for what. Um, but what you can control is, is your own household, your own, uh, you know, uh, intentionality around your personal finances. And I think, Lindsay, you were talking about how, um, you were talking about stewardship on the previous uh, episode and, yeah. and, and, and kind of going through that process of, of encouraging and calling up people to be better stewards. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to not just be, you know, not just, uh, you know, 
lean into every, uh, you know, fearful thought or emotion, but use it as an opportunity to be like, okay, well, how is my house in order? You know, am I in a good place? Am I, you know, able to weather storms and, and really being able to be mindful of where you're at in your own personal and family economic cycle, you know, in, in life, if that makes sense. So it does. No, that's wisdom. And I, I really appreciate you speaking on that because I think that people have been feeling exactly that they've been feeling so fearful of what it looks like. And I know, I mean, even family members are having to purchase cars right now for specific reasons. And they're Mm -hmm. like, I've just never seen prices like this for like basic cars, you know, and I'm having to fork Mm -hmm. out what feels like my life savings to get a car. And then even looking at prices at the grocery store, like I know a lot of people who are starting to plant their own food. And while I think that's extremely wise, and I mean, I'm all about it. I just think there's this kind of overwhelming experience that we have not dealt with as adults in our lives. And it's, it's been confusing and can often feel, I think, isolating for some people, especially who Mm -hmm. don't have an understanding of financial, just any budgeting or any um, financial stewardship. So just to encourage you guys, like I, I agree with you, Jared. And I think like one of the most common commands in scripture is do not fear that God, even in the thick of this and the confusion and looking out into the world and saying, man, we have no idea what's going on, that he is ultimately always in control. But I think that we can look to verses like Luke 14, 28 through 30, where Jesus is discussing kind of beginning to build a project and planning for the expenses before beginning that project and how he shares how foolish it would be to lay the foundation and not have the funds to complete the entire project. And I think when we step back and we say, okay, we look to the life of Jesus and we see that planning and that projection, we will feel so much more peace not that we're going to have all the money in the world, but we're going to have a handle on the things that we can have a handle on. And then we also trust God to provide. And so in closing, this is kind of a big question. (laughs) So what would you say to people who maybe live with the mindset of either struggling to believe that God provides? So I guess that would be number one, people who struggle to believe that God provides, like, what would you speak to that? And then part two would be, what would you say to the people who kind of just think, ah, well, God provides and I can kind of spend my money and God is going to provide a way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question because I think that for, for many, it's like you almost um, it, it, it's really interesting how fear can, can set in and almost reverse you, what you know to be true. Like we can, you know, we can read scripture and basically see how we're to be giving and we're to be um, giving of our first fruits and, and giving, you know, not allowing our right hand to know what our left hand is doing. And, um, and we can be in this place where, uh, where it's so hard to do that, especially if we're in a place where we are fearful and we're scared about like what's around the turnpike, you know? Uh, and, And so I would just encourage people to, to think about it from this standpoint, like, you know, God holds all of this in the, in the palm of his hand, like uh, nothing scares him, nothing surprises him. And, and I think that there's such an opportunity to just not just say, yes, I trust God, but use it as an opportunity to be like, okay, what areas in particular do I need to trust him more? in? you know, what areas do I, do I need to, to be maybe more giving and even in the midst of my fear or in the midst of uncertainty, and, and I think that oftentimes you can see 
and experience and be encouraged by other people's faith and other people's ability to really see to, to see and experience God and in a way of him providing or, or him coming in at the 11th hour and actually providing a saving grace or a miracle of some kind in their lives. Um, But I think that for a lot of people, they need to actually experience for themselves and not piggyback off of other people and how their experiences have been, but really be able to not test God in this area, but but God, but God says like, you know, literally like test me in this area. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, it's kind it's of like, funny. you feel I'm, wrong I'm, doing it, but yeah, you feel he does wrong. challenge that. Yeah. Yeah. He literally challenges that. He's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, test me in this area. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because how often do we actually do that? And I think that when I think about that question, I really think about like, okay, well, if you're, if you're in that place where you're, you're really unsure about the future, we we can be encouraged by the fact that we trust in a sure God and we don't know the future. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future and, and just being encouraged by the fact that it's like, okay, well, if God is putting it on your heart um, to, to go be missionaries in a time like this, and I have some friends who just left a couple of weeks ago with their whole family, you know, my friend quit his job. They sold their home. They moved to, you know, overseas with four kids and basically, you know, becoming full-time missionaries because God basically put it on their heart to do that. And, and the cool so thing cool. with that is it's just like, you're really testing God at that point. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, God, <laughs> you put this on my heart and I'm going to step out in faith and trust that you're going to provide because that's what you do. So I, I would just say that that would be my encouragement and challenges to to look at the area in, in particular with your specific life of where you may need to trust God more and lean into that and see how God shows up. Because I think that that's the encouraging part where we oftentimes don't do that. We stay very um, protected and we, we try to be, uh, you know, um, really comfortable. And, and oftentimes it prevents us from stepping out and seeing what God would do, you know, much like with you and, and Jesse moving to Tennessee, it made no sense on paper, you know, in a lot of ways, it really didn't, (laughs) um, didn't. you know, to, to go do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and yet, you know, but God, Mm -hmm. but God, you know, through that, through that experience, that's something that's been really good for your family and has been something that, you know, God has shown up in, in many ways, uh, through that process, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he absolutely has. That was probably one of the most fear inducing moments for me where I had to truly practice what I preach and ask God, like, Mm -hmm. I need you to fill this space because we have two little kids. Like we have, we're going to nothing. We we don't have anything. We had passive income because of the investments and stuff which was enough to hold us over, but it was not substantial, you know? And so it was, it was a leap of faith, but it has been one of those things, like you're saying to where you have no choice, but to say, okay, God, we, it brings you to your knees. I mean, not only financially, but just the experience as a whole Mm -hmm. that causes you to rely upon God. And I think when we have that fear of like, oh, he's never going to show up the amount of miracles that I have seen, not only with myself, but with friends who are faithful and God provides and shows up in times of like last minute need has been such Mm. an encouragement to my heart. And what would you say to part two, the people who kind of spend 
And not that they're intentionally being obstinate or intentionally being mm-hmm. sinful, but where they're kind of like, you know, I've never learned how to do this and I yeah. don't really plan to learn how to do this. And God's going to show up anyways. What would be your loving mm-hmm. encouragement to them? Of course. And I think that with finance and with personal finance, it's personal to you. And and we can look to the Bible and, and see how God talks literally like two thirds of parables are around this topic. Yeah. So it's not like he's like, you know, it's not a gray area. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's more than prayer. Uh, he talks but, about money more than prayer. Isn't that yeah, wild? It's insane. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy, but you can just see how God is, is literally speaking to what so many of us is at the forefront of our minds. And yeah. And unfortunately, it's just kind of like, okay, you think about how many different areas of life money impacts. Mm -hmm. And so for those who are, you know, maybe spending frivolously and, and don't have a plan and, and maybe feel stuck because I think eventually that's what it leads to is you just kind of feel the weight of it. And we've all been there. I mean, we've all made stupid mistakes. Like I have a whole rap sheet. (laughs) I want to hear them. (laughs) uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's just like, there's just so many things that, you know, just going through life that we're just like, well, yep. That's a, a, not just subtle reminder that I'm a human and yeah, Yeah. that sucks. I just, uh, I really, um, didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't as that one up. in that area. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I would just say, like, give yourself some grace because mm-hmm. oftentimes we don't see ourselves properly in the eyes of the Lord, and and so I would just say that, like, if you just do a word study or you do a study on how God sees us, He sees us as co-heirs with Christ. You know, He sees us as being these these individuals that He has created we're highly esteemed. And, and it's just funny because we oftentimes allow our own failures. We allow, you know, different aspects of life just to beat us down. And for us, you know, honestly, to not see ourselves through that lens, through the lens that he has created us to be seen through. And so I would just encourage people to take a step back and and really look at how God created us, um, you know, as, as friends, as co-heirs, as, you know, as individuals who have hearts and minds and, you know, a will and so on and so forth. And, and use this as an opportunity to take a step back and see how God sees you. And then I think it right, you know, adjusts or, or aligns how you will see yourself and, and so much easier said than done. I know that, but I would just say like, you know, everyone has money mistakes. Everyone has gone through spending money in areas we shouldn't have. But I would just say that like, that's, that's just part of your story. That's part of your journey. That's not the end of your journey. That's um, it, it gives you an opportunity to really say, okay, well, I made those mistakes and now how, what have I learned from those and how do I change things going forward? So it changes the trajectory of my life. It's not too late to do all of those things, Absolutely. right? Like there's always a point that you can stand up and say, okay, I'm switching this because I think there's that lie that the enemy will get into your head and think, well, I've already made a mess of my finances. But like you're saying, I mean, we've all been there. We've all made huge mistakes. And there comes a point where you have to just say, okay, I'm going to allow this conviction to lead me to obedience. Mm -hmm. 
and respond. And I'm going to just choose whether I'm 20 or 70, like I can still make that decision to make some changes in the way that I handle my money and let God do work in that area in my life. So, well, thanks. I mean, I really, you guys, I didn't prepare Jared with any questions. So I really (laughs) appreciate your wisdom and just willingness to be kind of off the cuff. So tell our audience if they want to learn more about this, or if they want to work with you, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Of course. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think the best way right now is um, through Instagram or TikTok, uh, through Millennial Margin. That's um, just kind of been a platform that I've created to provide daily content, just daily money tips. And I believe it's just been, uh, it's just an honor to be able to serve people in that way. And so uh, if you prefer to to read, you can go to the millenniummargin.com website, uh, or you can contact me on any of the social channels that I'm on. But, uh, but I would just encourage you to, everyone deals with this topic. Everyone is needing help at some point. And, and the, the beautiful thing about it is no one is self-made. So we all need help and we all uh, just, uh, you know, have either received help or will receive help uh, in, in the journey of, of, you know, investing or in the journey of budgeting or figuring out how to spend or in what areas. And so just be, you know, open to the fact that we're all a work in progress and, and our money is that too. And so I would just, uh, just say that that's just an opportunity, whether you, um, you know, uh, utilize the, the material that, that I put out there or someone else does just use it as an opportunity to try to learn and grow and apply what you're learning so that, uh, so that you're truly changing your financial trajectory, not only for yourself, but also for your family and for future generations. As we say, nothing changes if nothing changes people. So Mm -hmm. I think that it comes to a point where that may help our perspective and help to shift our perspective when we consider the impact that what we're doing now can have on our children and our grandchildren. And that always weighs heavily on me, not in the sense that I know, not in the sense that I believe that I'm responsible for every single thing that happens to my kids, because I know that God is in control, but I do know that I have responsibility to be wise as a mother to make those decisions. And, and this is like, I am not preaching from holier than thou place because my heart has always been discontent with what I have. I've always been striving for something more. I've always been wanting the next best thing. And I've shared that, but I have had to kind of confess that to the people in my life and seek accountability and have boundaries and create those boundaries with my money that I'm still learning. And so as I share these things, like when I say nothing changes, if nothing changes, I'm walking through that alongside you all. I'm very thankful for my husband, who's much more (laughs) like restrained than I am. Um, And for friends like you, Jared, just the ability to have these types of conversations that I know, I mean, not a lot of people, or maybe not many people have friends in these realms or with these experiences that they can talk to. And so I just want to encourage you guys, you know, listen to millennial margin, tune in, like get those daily tips, because that is what's going to be feeding your heart, get in God's word and allow your mind and heart to be filled with those things that do lead you to whether it's repentance or just growth, instead of allowing yourself to fall back into the same old patterns that are so easy to fall back into, especially if you're surrounded with people who live the same way as you, 
you've kind of got to take that choice to step out. And those are things that we, you know, have had to learn. I have had to learn to do. And I feel that I am, again, as I said before, just really being aware of the income, being aware of what I'm doing with it, being aware of what God says about it has given me so much more freedom. So thank you, Jared, so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Loved having you. And um, I'm sure we'll have you again soon. And for everybody listening, we are just so thankful for you being here. We know you're around the world and we see you and just want you to know that we love you and we're praying for you, especially with this series and just knowing how much money can truly impact your joy and your peace and the economic climate, how much of an impact it can have. And so just know that, um, we, Jesse and I have been praying over you guys as we've recorded this series. And we are always here. If you have questions, you can find me on Instagram. And then if you do enjoy this episode, make sure to tag us and let us know what you gleaned from it, what you felt and what it taught you. And be sure to share with friends or family who may need to hear some encouragement about financial stewardship, but we love you guys and we will talk to you next time. Bye.